You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I've been to Rail City a few times, and it has been great to see what God is doing here at this campus and in Port Moody. Um, This is your missions weekend, and so I'm even more excited about that. So I've been the pastor of missions at Coquitlam Alliance for about 15 years now, I think, and been on staff for 21 years. It's a long time. Um, But um, yeah, I'm just delighted to be with you here today to connect with you. And I love that Cam is your pastor and that he's your your lead pastor leading you with vision and desire to make a difference in the city of Port Moody. So I've had the privilege of watching Cam for a number of years and I kind of feel like he's like a son to me. So, and actually we have kids kind of the same age as Cam as well. And so today I want to start with a story about Cam. And it's one of my favorite memories of Cam, and this happened in 2010. So, long time ago, he was still a baby. Um, (laughs) It was our first trip as CA Church to the Philippines, and we had built an orphanage there, and there was a team that came together. And it was a good team, and they actually called themselves the Dream Team. No no hint of pride there at all, but in their defense, they were a great team of strong young adults with the goal of doing some hard labor, some landscaping, hauling truckloads of dirt, and they were getting the orphanage that we had built prepared for opening because it hadn't officially opened yet. And so all the young men worked really hard to show their muscle and their strength. Um, They had a goal to finish the project in record time, which they actually did accomplish. And everyone was amazed at how quickly they got the work done. But then there was Cam. Cam didn't seem to care about becoming the prize-winning strongman. He contributed to the work, but he was really more interested in befriending all the young boys in the neighborhood as they had come out to watch us work. Cam actually formed a small group with them. He met with them almost every day. He showed value to each of these kids who lived a life of poverty. He played with them, and one night he even cooked dinner for them. I'm not sure what he made, I don't remember, but we just knew that Cam was off and he was feeding these kids. So of course the rest of the team was somewhat indignant that Cam was not contributing to the work and instead was just hanging out with these kids. And it sparked a controversial conversation on our team about what was more important, busy work, accomplishing tasks, or relationship with one another, and relationship with the poor and those who are suffering. And I think we know that Jesus commended Mary In the Bible, you know, it's a similar story of Martha and Jesus had a conversation. And we know that Jesus commended Mary for investing in relationship. And so Cam taught everyone on that team a great lesson. People matter and even children matter. They matter to God and they should matter to us as well. 
and given the opportunity, Cam showed love and value to these boys um, who would have otherwise been ignored. Um, and this is the heart of Cam, one who loves people, one who cares about others, and one who has a passion to share the gospel wherever possible. So I really appreciate Cam. And to me, that is, he demonstrates the value of what missions is. Um, it's biblical. It's what the Bible teaches us. And we all know, probably, and are familiar with Matthew 28. And this is the basis for the value and the priority in the church, not only here at Coquitlam Alliance, but also around the world. And so CA Church has adopted a purpose statement for missions, and I just want to read it for you. And it goes like this, as fully devoted followers of Jesus, we are commanded to multiply and make disciples of all nations, according to Matthew 28. Therefore, we aspire to live out the gospel by addressing spiritual, physical, emotional, and social needs of people in our community and around the world. And we do that with compassion and generosity. We desire that every person at CA Church live on mission by engaging in prayer for missions, by serving in missions, by giving financially in ways that they are able, and then also going as they are able in missions-oriented opportunities. We desire and we aspire to be united in purpose by living together on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. And we've been saying that for a long time. And I think that um, many of our people are understanding it and getting it and responding to it. So Richard Stearns, he's the president of World Vision in the United States. In his book, The Hole in the Gospel, said this, if your personal faith in Christ has no positive outward expression, then your faith and mine has a hole in it. Proclaiming the gospel encompasses tangible expression for the sick and for the poor, as well as biblical injustice and the effort to right the wrongs that are so prevalent in our world. This was Jesus' mission, and it should be the mission of all who follow him. We also see this throughout the Bible, not just in Matthew. And I want to remind us what James says in James chapter 2. He said this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. But this is what James says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And I feel like in the Protestant world, we've kind of reacted a bit to those who are in the Catholic Church by saying, you know, we're not going to do works because we can't work our way to heaven. And we like to quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 which says we've been saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast about their works or their deeds. But I think if we focus on that, we're missing the point. 
Yes, it's so true. We have been saved by grace through faith, and we can't work our way to heaven. But we are not saved by our works. We are saved for works. We are saved to do works. And you cannot diminish the truth of that from Scripture. In other words, our faith should be something that others can see. Yet the comfort and ease of our wealthy, privileged lifestyle can sometimes lull us to sleep. And I was reminded of that yesterday when I was with a group of people. Um, And it turns our focus towards the pleasures of life rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus and doing what he has called us to do and to be. Jesus asked a great deal of his followers. He expected much more from them than just believing he was God's son. And I always say this, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could just come and attend church on Sunday morning. He challenged his followers to embrace radically different standards, to love their neighbors, to love their enemies even, to pray for their enemies, to forgive those who wronged them, to lift up the poor and the downtrodden, and to share what they had with those who had little. And he also called them to live lives of sacrifice. And then he likened their effect on the world around them to that which light has on darkness. Light dispels the darkness. It reverses it. And likewise, truth dispels falsehood, and goodness reverses evil. We just um, had a movie night for missions um, at the Mariner campus a couple of weeks ago. And it was all about this guy going into the most darkest places on earth with ISIS and where things were happening and saying, we're going in there and we're going to bring goodness in here. We're going to see goodness turn. We're going to see evil turn into goodness. And we're going to bring dark in, sorry, we're going to bring light into the dark places. I want to remind you of Matthew 5, verses 13 to 15, where Jesus said to us, his followers, he said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are also the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I was recently uh, reading what John Stott said. John Stott was an English theologian, and he put it this way, which was very powerful. He said, our Christian habit is to bewail the world's deteriorating standards with an air of rather self-righteous dismay. We criticize the violence, the dishonesty, the immorality, the disregard for human life, and the materialistic greed. The world is going down the drain, we say with a shrug. But whose faith is it? Who is to blame? And John Stott said, let me put it like this. If the house is dark when nightfall comes, there is no sense in blaming the house. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? And similarly, if the meat goes bad and becomes inedible, there is no sense in blaming the meat. That's what happens when bacteria is left alone to breed. The question to ask is, where is the salt? 
And just so, if society deteriorates and its standards decline until it becomes like a dark night or a stinking fish, there is no sense in blaming society. This is what happens when fallen men and women are left to themselves and when human selfishness is unchecked. The question to ask is this, where is the church? Why are the salt and light of Jesus Christ not permeating and changing our society? It is sheer hypocrisy on our part to raise our eyebrows, shrug our shoulders, and wring our hands. The Lord Jesus told us to be the world's salt and light. If therefore darkness and rottenness abound, it is largely our fault, and we must accept the blame. I read that, and I thought, wow. That is a pretty strong statement, but yet it's true. And I don't want to come here today, and I am not projecting blame on anyone here, nor am I projecting blame on myself, especially after this week with the sadness of what happened in Texas. And we, we prayed for them this morning. We took moments to think about that. What, what is happening in our world? How could that even happen? But as Christians, I think, here's the thing. We don't shy away from the darkness. Instead, we enter the darkness and we bring light into the darkness. We bring salt and we bring the love of Jesus Christ. And these are the fundamental truths that CA Missions is based on. And that is why we go into the Middle East. That's why we go into the poorest country in Africa and the remotest communities in Mexico into the extremely impoverished slums in the Philippines. We enter those places, we enter with faith, we enter with hope, we enter with light, because we want to bring light into these dark places of our world. And we pass through the territories of the cartel in Mexico, and I know some people think we're absolutely insane, but that's what we do. We go through the evil organizations in the Middle East, it's there that we find those who are hungry. It's there that we find those who need clothing. And it's there that we find those who are oppressed and without hope. And it's there that we can shed the light and we can overcome evil with good. And that's what we are called to do. And so that's why we continually challenge every person at CA Church, at each campus, to give sacrificially and to serve with all their might, to pray for others and to go abroad and to do something. And this is why our vision is that Real City will engage in Chiapas in the state of Mexico. Did you know that Chiapas has the highest rate of poverty in the whole country of Mexico? 74% of the people there live in poverty. And of that 74%, 47% are in extreme poverty. So that means they're less than $2 a day. Our minds can't even fathom what that's like to live um, in that kind of poverty. And so today we're going to invite, as Cam already mentioned, we're going to invite Cam to come, and he's going to share with us a little bit about um, what missions mean to him and of what God is teaching him about missions and he has learned through the years and why missions is important to Real City. So Cam, come on up. And then when Cam is done, we're also going to invite Ivana up to share as well. 
So Cam, I'm so excited that you have made missions a priority here um, at Rail City and also in your own heart. You've yeah. been with us to the Philippines, to Mexico, to Turkey, and I know you've made it a priority. So why don't you share with us why is that a priority for you? Why is it important to you? Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> first off, super humbled by you even like going back and sharing those stories from the Philippines and all your kind words and all those kind of things. And um, simply put, like right off the top, as an opportunity to honor you and Mark, I really think that missions was made a priority in my life or I've seen, I was able to see them as a priority because of your leadership, um, because of weekends like the one that we're having right now and missions updates every month and being able to come alongside you and go to various places and uh, countries and be able to see the value of missions. And um, I'm not sure what your church experience is like, but in many ways, what's happening here at CA Church is an anomaly. Uh, it's odd. It is very odd for a church, a third of a church's budget to go to missions. Uh, it's, it's very odd for a church to be as generous as we are. It's very odd uh, for us to, um, as a community, to be involved in so many places around the world. And really, that's because of Diane's leadership. That's because of Pastor Mark's leadership. And so, um, just to start, can we honor them? Can we put our hands together and, and thank them? <clears throat> yeah, and um, you talk about it being a priority in my life, and I learned that from you. And... Going to the Philippines, I remember that moment where, you know, I'm hanging out with the kids and made them the spaghetti dinner. And all, the, and all the other guys are really upset about this, right? And I remember that conversation we had. And that conversation stuck with me, even as I became a youth pastor, that people matter more than programs. People matter more than progress. Uh, that connecting with people and see, loving them and caring them and sharing the love of Jesus with them uh, is more important than building a wall. The wall needs to get built. Like it, it does need to happen. But, but um, God, when God places people in front of us, uh, we're called to love them. And something I learned on that trip, and about two years later, I become the middle school youth pastor at CA Church. And you talk about how, what is like, what's the impact that missions has made on you? I can think through each one of those trips that we went on together and uh, just seeing the various things that God taught me on that Philippines trip, that people matter. And we went to Mexico for the very first time with that, that group of ethos, uh, young adults. And, but just seeing Pastor Tomas and Brenda and their faith and the, like, the extent in which they go to bring the gospel to the farthest corners of the earth, to the places that nobody cares about, uh, hiking and horseback and treacherous roads and all these kind of things. And I learned on that trip that, that people matter so much that we will go to any length to share the gospel with them. And I can think through each one of those trips, um, our trip to Turkey, where we got to help with refugees, and that deeply impacted Jessica and I. Um, Jessica now literally works with refugees every day, and she talks about that trip being so impactful, and uh, things I learned in New York, and even on this last trip. And, and so missions have been made a, a priority in my life, but the it's funny because at times we often uh, think that we're going to like, I don't know, kind of this savior complex to go and save the people on the ends of the earth. And yet as I reflect, 
I, I feel like each one of those trips, I wonder if it had a greater impact on me. Like, I wonder if it had a greater impact on my soul, on my discipleship, on my following Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and so anyways, just to answer your, your first question, uh, I really think it has become so important to me because I realize that this is so pivotal and important to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be faithful to his call, uh, and uh, to follow him in what, what it is that he's calling us to do. So... Yeah. That's exciting, Cam. And you know what? As you were talking about how CA is an anomaly, it shouldn't be. Right. It's what we're all called to be. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. So, and as a lead pastor, Cam, why should missions be in the forefront? You've kind of said that a little bit, but yeah. do you have more to add to that? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think in the same way that um, it's been so important for me in my discipleship, my growing, my uh, learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I think that a church that doesn't make missions the forefront of what we do and who we are and what we believe, that we're actually missing a major piece of the puzzle. God called us to love him with all our heart, our mind, our strength, but he also called us to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, you know, Jesus tells us to abide in him, but he also tells us to go and, and make disciples of all nations. And so if we were to just become an insulated, holy huddle, all about us kind of community, I think we've missed a major part of what it means to follow Jesus. I think we've missed a major part of what it means uh, to, to live out the life that Jesus is calling us to. And so even as, as we were starting Rail City, I wanted missions to be on the forefront of our mind. We did a prayer walk that you know, walked around the whole city and, and prayed for people and prayed for our neighborhoods. We did events like Love My City events. And right now we're running Alpha in Cafe. And so missions, we wanted to be on the forefront locally here that people knew we existed. Uh, that it wasn't just like, yeah, I think there's some group of people that meet at Moody Middle. No, I want them to know us and see us and experience us. But in the same way, I, I also want the world to know, the world to know that there's a church in Port Moody that that cares about them, and specifically Mexico to know, Chiapas to know, a region, a specific group of churches and pastors to know that there's a church in Canada that cares, cares deeply about them. Um, one of the things that Charles Haddon Spurgeon infamously said was this, he said, Christians are either missionaries or imposters. <laughs> right? Christians are either missionaries or imposters. It's actually part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. Uh, and, uh, and so I, it's so important that we not only carry the torch of missions from our Mariner campus and our town center campus, but that we ourselves actually embody it and live it because this is who we're called to be. We're either missionaries or imposters. We follow a missionary God who came from heaven to earth, to live among us, to share with us about the kingdom of God, to teach us about who God was, to, and Jesus also practically met the needs of people. He fed the poor. He noticed uh, the vulnerable. Uh, and so we're either missionaries or imposters. This is who God has called us to be. And I think it is so, so important for us at Rail City that we embody that, that we live that, uh, and that we embrace that truth. So, yeah. And I just love the fact that right from the starting gates, you said we're going to even tithe yeah. what we're raising here to start our own campus. We're going to give somewhere else. Like, and God will honor that. God will bless yeah. that. 
So it makes it all the more exciting <laughs> totally. to be here. Can I speak more to that for a second? Sure. Yeah, so um, when we launched Rail City Campus, we had a goal of raising $200,000. And we hit that goal, which thank you, praise God. Uh, it's so amazing, right? So in order that we can have an impact in this city. But I remember sitting down with Pastor Mark and having a conversation. And he said, hey, what if you guys, and he's like, this is a crazy idea. What if you guys tithe off of that fundraising money so that you can give to support a church somewhere else in the world? Uh, and so I said, yeah, let's do it. And we, we ended up giving $20,000 uh, to a church in Mexico that had no building to meet in. They met under a tarp. Uh, they met just in someone's property. And, and, uh, and we were able to give 20000 With that, they were able to actually start the construction of a church building, uh, which is so, so cool. And if, if you actually go um, later on, there's actually a slide of us dedicated. Is that, there, that's not it. That's not it. Yeah, if you go jump like quite a bit further ahead, there's a slide of uh, where we're actually of dedicating the land. There it is. Boom, we hit it. Um, and uh, when we were in Chiapas last, we actually got to go and go to the land where they're going to be building this church. We got to pray over it. We got to be part of the shovel ceremony. Um, we got to meet their pastors. And they were just so incredibly grateful, so incredibly grateful because of our generosity. So thank you. Uh, thank you for your generosity. Let's just uh, give a hand for one another. Um, and for those who contributed to that really, really cool way. And so that was from the very beginning. We were like, let's make missions that important. That even in our fundraising goal, we're starting a new church. We haven't even started yet. We're going to give away uh, some of what God has given us. So, yeah. So Rail City has adopted Chiapas. Uh, why don't you tell us, like, why do you think that's a good fit for Port Moody for Rail City? Yeah. Other than the coffee? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One of the things about uh, Chiapas, it's this beautiful mountainous region, uh, and we can uh, see a picture of just kind of like the mountains here, if you just put it up. Um, yeah, just this really, like, especially this area, this is called Bella Vista, uh, which means beautiful view or beautiful lookout, and it's this beautiful mountainous region, and they grow coffee there. And so it was really funny because as Diane and I were talking about where the global partner should be, and she said, I think, you know, there's this region in Chiapas, and they grow coffee, and I think that's a really good fit for Port Moody. <laughs> and so anyways, uh, yeah, for those of you who end up coming, yeah, there's some of the coffee right there and they literally they grow it and dry it out on the ground and um but uh but yeah it's just a really incredible region and uh so yeah coffee it's beautiful uh there's kind of these rainforest kind of vibes there's also a a really large population of indigenous um indigenous people who live in that area. And I, I know for us as a campus, we wanted to make that important as a step of reconciliation, both locally, but also globally, to write a new story for the church, uh, to do things differently than they've done in the past. And you, you see some of the pastors here uh, who we met. If you go back a slide, Diane actually gave them like a piece of paper. Like when I say this, you can get, show this picture. And I should have done that. Uh, if we can just scroll back a, a number of slides, not on the, there we go. Boom, we hit it. Uh, some of the pastors there who are guys who grew up and were born in this area. And, and uh, we, we get an opportunity to invest in them. But the, the third reason I'll say Chiapas is a good fit is really, and, and there's this expression Pastor Bill Wilson from New York City says, he says, the need is the call. The need is the call. And um, it was, became very clear very quickly that there is great need in this area, 
uh, as Diane spoke to, the incredible poverty, but also the churches are in need of encouragement. The churches are in need of support. The churches are in need of, of someone coming alongside them and just being being a encouragement, uh, supplying you know needs financially, and just coming alongside their vision. And so uh, we, when we were there, it just became very clear: there's a great need here, and no one's meeting it. So why not us? Uh, and so that's a couple of the reasons. Yeah. I just want to add to that because we sent a men's team there in 2017, and one of the pastors had been praying, and the whole community was laughing at him and saying. Your prayers are never going to be answered. Nobody cares about this little town in Chiap. Yeah. And our Canadian team showed up, and he said it was a miracle. Wow. And he could tell people. They came to help us. They helped us fix our church a little bit. Yeah. But what a testimony it was that we were coming to this kind of remote place. Yeah. And they need that encouragement. Exactly. Know, they're seeking to reach their own community as well. So, yeah. That was awesome. Um, so how, is, how do you envision that Real City will make an impact in Chiapas? Yeah, um, there's a lot of different ways in which we can make an impact. One of, like our philosophy as a church is we don't just like come in and just throw a bunch of food and clothes and, and run, but we want to have a long, long-standing relationship with a community of believers to come alongside them in their vision for the region to support their work, uh, to encourage them. And, and so uh, I think the, the thing I want to say first and foremost, and I alluded to this earlier, is that we are hoping to build a long partnership and relationship with this region. We're not hoping to uh, just show up there once, do a couple projects and leave. Uh, and so the, part of the impact, I think, is actually just being an ongoing presence, an ongoing presence into the future. Um, the other thing is, is that thankfully our dollar goes a really long way there. I want us to be a continual, gener like a generous church and a generous community to support uh, work, outreach, and building church buildings and supporting thing, uh, projects that they need in order to reach people for Jesus in that area. Uh, and then thirdly, and as we, we've already spoken to it, I really think that um, they were just hungry and desperate for encouragement. And I really think we have an opportunity to, as we have this ongoing and long-standing relationship with them, to be an encouragement to those in that state, to those pastors, uh, to equip, to train, to build into, to pray for, uh, and, uh, and come alongside them in their work. And so, yeah, those, those three ways primarily. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cam, can you talk about the church that you're building yeah. down there and what was it like to meet the people and to be a part of that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it was really amazing because the 20000 which we gave uh, to support that church, um, we were able to actually go to that city uh, or that little town in February and it's called Plan de Alla. And uh, there was a few things that really struck me in my time there. Uh, first, as we arrived, I, you wouldn't believe the welcome we received from that community. They were so excited to have us. They were so blessed by our support of them. Uh, and, uh, and one of the things that really struck me, and you can see this man here um, on the right next to Pastor Tomas. This man here, uh, he, he actually donated and gave his land, his family land that had been his family for generations in order to build the church that we financially supported. Uh, and there was just this really um, profound and, 
and powerful experiences. We could just see he was emotional. He was weeping because, um, because he was going to have a legacy for the kingdom of God. He was going to have a legacy in that community. He could have, he, he didn't, all his children, I, th- I believe the story was his children had left the village and left the area. And this land would have just, who knows what would have happened to it. But he was able to give it for the kingdom of God. And so it was a really profound and cool experiences. We got to be with those people and uh, eat food and celebrate and preach at that church, but also being able to see their generosity, their sacrifice, uh, and be a part of the dedication of that land. So it was really cool. So what are some of the things that spoke to your heart the most as you were there that you would like to share today? I think um, this story with this man, just his generosity, could you imagine giving your land giving your land for, for the church. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, even we live in a time where for many of you who maybe are younger or who have never bought a house before, it's, it feels unattainable to even uh, get land or get property. And here's this man who has this large property and he's just giving it to God. And it just struck me like his generosity and just the overall generosity of the people there, the way that they gave their lives to the gospel, the way that they gave themselves to, uh, to the work of God. Like in the area of Bea Vista, they would hike in the mountains trying to find people to share the gospel with. Um, and uh, just their love for one another. And speaking back to generosity, part of why I'm wearing this shirt this weekend, we're at this church in, uh, uh, in a city called Huchitan. And I was wearing this red shirt, but all the men were wearing these white pleated shirts. And their pastor there who definitely does not make very much and doesn't have very much, notices that I don't have one of the white shirts like the locals do there. And so he goes into his very own closet, he grabs this shirt, and he gives it to me. Uh, so it, I think it was, a, it was a symbol of thankfulness. It was a symbol of belonging as well. You belong here. You're, you're included. You are loved. We are grateful for you. And I was just so struck by, um, I guess, their generosity to us even though we have so much in comparison to them. Uh, Another thing that struck my heart, and and I've spoke to it already, but as I was able to preach and teach and things like that, you would just see the pastors fervently taking notes. And as I inquired deeply, like more about that, it was because many of them don't have access to training, don't have access to being able to be equipped or books or um, investment. Many of them can't even leave the general, the, the state. Some of them have never been out of state. And why that touched my heart and struck my heart is just because I have come from such a um, place of privilege, opportunity, training at Bible college paid for by the church, books that are paid for by the church, being able to go to conferences and and really be invested into mentorship and care. And, uh, and I, as I looked at these pastors, I just thought, man, they have nobody. They have nobody to invest into them. Someone needs to go. Someone needs to love. Someone needs to pray for them and encourage them and teach them. And, uh, and so one of the lasting things that was on my heart was, I think we can have an impact with the pastors in this state um, to just be an encouragement. And we're already going to have an impact. Uh, one of the, if I can just speak to that, one of the ways um, that we already have an opportunity is for $1,000, we get to send, uh, how many pastors was it? Ten, eight or ten pastors from the, the state of Chiapas to the, the National uh, Christian Missionary Alliance Conference. 
This is something they would never be able to go to on their own. Uh, it'd be really expensive. It would cost great sacrifice, $1,000. We are able to support them to be able to go uh, and be a part of that. And so we're already having an impact in this region, which is so encouraging. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk more about how you can actually support them later on in the service. So, Thanks, Cam. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before I call Ivana up? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm just so excited for God wants what God wants to do in and through us. Uh, and, uh, and I think that this is a beautiful opportunity for us to come alongside a region in Mexico uh, to just bring the gospel. And so I'm just excited. Thank you for the opportunity, Diane, bringing yeah. it to us. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I think one of the things we want to talk about today as well is that... You know, you might look at Cam and I and go, well, you guys work at the church, you know, that's good for you, like, you know, <laughs> kudos to you kind of thing. But that's not the point. The point is that we're all called to go and do something. And we said Jesus calls all of us out of our comfort zone. He calls us to extraordinary things. And so I want to invite Ivana up. Um, Ivana has been attending Real City since the beginning. And she actually is the missions rep from Rail City. So every campus that we have has a missions representative. And if you ever have any questions about missions at CA, she's the one you can talk to. She's pretty informed. And she's been to Mexico. Uh, she's been to Africa. And she kind of keeps up with everything that's happening. And so thank you, Ivana, for taking that role. And Ivana came with us in February when we went and checked everything out. And we were looking at uh, the town in Chiapas and just to see what this could look like for a real city. And so she's going to share with us today a little bit about what it's like from a layperson perspective as well. So Ivana, why don't you just tell us why did you decide to go on a mission in the first place? What compelled you? Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, you know, I guess ever since I was little, I always had a heart for people. Um, through high school, I always stuck with the underdog and hung out with people that were on the margins and a little bit different. And, you know, we were an immigrant family into Canada when I was a baby, and it was through the generosity and love of a Christian family and a church that sponsored us, we were able to come into Canada and start a life. And God was so faithful and so generous with my family and then with myself as I grew up and started my own life and my own family. We were so blessed materially, spiritually, um, socially. You know, I just had so much. I had more than I ever needed. And I always thought there's, there's more to this than just me being special or, you know, good for me. I get to have all of this stuff. I felt a real responsibility to do something with it and to to honor God and to thank him and say, this isn't just for me so I can be comfortable, but I am called to do something with the gifts that he's given me. And I know, you know, we've had this conversation. I look at you and I see a very competent and gifted woman, but you kind of said, you know, what do I have to offer on a mission? What, what good am I? But um, I'm glad that you've learned that you have lots to offer. So why don't you share that with us? Sure. So, you know, D Diane was asking, what are some of your gifts or skills that you bring to missions? And, and I 
thought about it, and I, you know, I realized that was one of the things that held me back for a long time going, because I thought I'm not your typical missionary. You know, I, I, I don't have medical training, so I can't help as a nurse or a doctor. I don't have theological training. I can't preach. I'm not a school teacher. I can't really help with kids, kids' church. I'm not musical, so I'm not going to participate in worship. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, what would I do? I'm an administrator. I run businesses, and you know, I work with people at an administrative level. But I did know that I loved people, and I knew that I could talk to anyone, and I could listen to people, and I loved relationship. And so I prayed, and I just thought, you know, I'm called to go. I feel I need to go. I'm going to stop worrying about what I can offer, and I'm just going to show up, and I will just let God figure out what he's going to do with me. And what I learned, and it's funny, I prepared my answers before, like on my own. I didn't know what Cam and, and Diane were going to talk about. But it ties into the story about Cam, where I think the biggest skill you can bring is just love and relationship and empathy and compassion for people and just be with them and show them that they matter and that they value and that they're, they're important enough that God is sending people from another country to, to go and love them and care for them. So, and what can you tell us about some of the challenges you faced? I know it's not always easy, uh, even just to make the decision to go, and then once you get there, it can be quite uncomfortable. So, tell us about your experience there. Right. So, I think initially, again, before I decided to go, um, you know, there was some fear. There was fear around personal safety. There was fear around finances and, and using up vacation time and spending money to go. And then when my husband and I went together, our kids were still young and, you know, there was fear of leaving them behind with my, my aging mother and hoping that everything was going to go okay. But again, it's, it's a matter of I just prayed and I just thought I'm going to release it to God and I'm just going to, you know, he's, he's calling us there. The people I go with are trusted people. They've been doing this for a long time. And I just had to trust that we would be safe and things would work out because they were being done for the right reasons. So the, the, for sure, there's, there's physical discomfort when you're there. You're stuck in a van for hours and hours on a dusty road with no air conditioning. But, but those are minor things. Um, I think one of my biggest challenges, though, is going into a place where you don't speak the language. So when we went to an English-speaking country or where people spoke, it is so much easier to build relationship and have deep conversations and, and really get to know people on a one-to-one -one level. It was more challenging for me not speaking Spanish to go into Mexico and be in communities where people didn't speak English and I couldn't speak their language. So you are very grateful for the people on your team that speak and can translate for you. We wear them out. Um, uh, we love Google Translate and we use our hands a lot. But really, you know, for me, it was apparent that if we're going to continue to go into these places to invest the time to, to try and learn some of the language, because it really does help build those deeper relationships with people. So and can you also tell us um, what were some of the most rewarding things that came out of your experience, and how was your life impacted as you went? So I think one of the biggest things that I learned was just to trust God um, in everything. And um, I'm just going to look at my notes. And, and I, the people that we traveled with, some of the leaders in those countries, it is remarkable 
to see how much faith they have in God and how much they trust him. And things would happen on the road and the car would break down or a highway would be closed. And, you know, in our North American way, we're sort of like, okay, who can we call and panicking? And, you know, they're just calmly sitting there praying, thinking still for hours. And you're like, what's going on? And they just trusted God. And, and I think, you know, we, we go on these, these missions sometimes and we think, okay, this is my checklist and I want to get this done and I want to make this contribution and I want to be important and we're going to get this building project done. And I think what I learned was you have to release that to God. Our job is to show up and to be open to what God wants. And it's God's job to determine what he's going to do with that and what outcome and, and what's going to come of that work. So it was really that trust, which I then try and apply to my own life, not just on missions, but whatever's going on in life. Um, in terms of rewarding, I think the most rewarding part of going on a mission is the relationships you build. It's the relationships you build with the people that you serve. You know, I feel like I've got extended families all over the world now in Zimbabwe and in Copper Canyon and in Chiapas. It's the leaders that you serve with, and those relationships are so powerful just to see how much faith they have and you know how they conduct themselves and how they follow God and then the relationships with all the team members because you're together all the time and you get into some really good conversations and, and, and really get to know each other well. And then finally, you know, the impact of mission I think is really feeling the presence of God. You know, when you're on mission, you are talking to God, you're praying, you're talking about God, you're with people that are talking about God, you're in church services, it is, it's God every day, all day, all the time for two concentrated weeks, and you really can feel his presence. And I think sometimes you come back home and you're distracted by running the kids to school and going to work and, you know, groceries, and you miss that presence because we're so busy and we're so distracted. So trying to take a piece of that experience back home and just remembering to be still um, is a lesson. Thanks, Ivana, and thanks for sharing with us today. I appreciate that. Um, I just want to conclude with a few comments. And sometimes I feel like in missions we can emphasize the going, and that you have to go for a long time or two weeks or whatever. And yes, if you can go, I encourage that for everyone to expand their worldview, to go and, like Ivana said, extend your faith and be in a context where you are challenged and where you are stretched. But that's not the only thing you can do. You can go out with Love My City Day and help in the community here. But the idea is that faith without works is dead, and we all need to be doing something. Maybe God's calling you to pray specifically. Maybe you can give, but maybe you can serve. And we all have a part, and we all have a place where we fit. And so I hope that today, as you leave here, that you will be challenged to, to actually put your faith into action, to see and ask God, God, where would you have me? How do I fit into this whole picture of missions? How are you going to use me in an extraordinary way in my community, um, in my neighborhood? Or maybe it is in Zimbabwe. Maybe it is in Chiapas. But ask him, and he will show you. So let's just conclude. I'd like to conclude with a prayer, and then the worship team is going to lead us. Would you pray with me? Father, we're just so grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you are a God who is love. 
You show no partiality, and you want the whole world to know you and to experience your love, your forgiveness, your compassion over them. And Jesus, we've learned that you were a man of sorrows, and you were acquainted with grief. Your life was not encompassed by comfort and ease, and you demonstrated that to us. And you didn't pray for the things that we often pray for, for comfort and for nice things to happen every day. Um, you showed us the things that break the heart of God. And today we ask that you would show each of us here today what breaks your heart and how can we get on side with you? How can we look to you and learn from you and be a part of what you are doing in this world? Help us to be that light in the darkness. Help us to bring goodness that overcomes evil. Help us to bring the salt where things are rotten and so desperately need your love and your presence and your compassion. Help us to be a people who have faith that is accompanied by deeds and not people who are just content to sit and say, well, I know Jesus and so, so that's good enough. Because really, it's not good enough. We need to be doing something from wherever we are at in our lives, whatever stage we're at, whatever capacity we have. You can use our gifts. You can use our strengths. You can use us for your glory. And we pray, Father, that the world would see our good deeds and glorify you in heaven as we serve each other and as we serve the world around us. So today, I pray that Real City would be that church who puts you first, who has missions as a priority, and who is here to serve their community and serve the world around them. And we pray your blessing over them as they step out in faith and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.